Thank you, praise team. Good morning, saints. It's good to see you this morning. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And this morning we're going to look at three verses. Verses 21 through 23. And as you make your way there, I want to tell you about a movie we recently introduced our kids to. It's probably not what you expect, but it was the movie Mary Poppins. (laughs) I want to begin by saying I forgot how good of a movie that was. It's a fun movie. It's fun to watch. And it's, it's amazing technically what they did in that day when that movie came out and the special effects we're just, uh, I mean, they still hold up today. They're, they're really incredible. Uh, but one of the things I noticed in the movie, well, there's a couple of things I noticed watching it from this perspective. I think the last time I saw the movie, I remember thinking the dad was just very strict. He was very regimental. He was very on the nose, on the clock. And, and then I watched it this weekend, and I was like, I kind of get where he's coming from. Just a little bit more perspectives have shifted. But one of the things that I remember uh, watching the movie recently was uh, the young boy. Uh, More more than once in the movie, Mary Poppins had to correct him on his posture. She had to tell him to stand up straight. Don't slouch, right? And sometimes we, we forget how important posture is just on our physical health. I remember a couple years ago, I thought that I had to do something about my posture because I was constantly in pain in my, in my back and, and between my shoulder blades. And turns out it wasn't posture, it was gallstones. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember reading so much about posture because I knew I had poor posture. And it was something that the, the posture that we take throughout the day, whether we're sitting at work, standing, whatever we do, how we lift something it plays a role in, in our health. And the same is true for the life of a disciple. What is the proper posture for a disciple of Jesus Christ? That's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to ask the question, what is the proper posture for a disciple of Jesus Christ? When we come to our text this morning, we're continuing going through Matthew, but we're getting to see another side to Peter. What I love about this text this morning is we get to see Peter go from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the valley really quickly. And isn't that how the Christian life goes sometimes? Sometimes you're sailing along and and you don't want to brag, but you're kind of thinking like, man, I I think I'm starting to get a hang of this thing, like this following Jesus. I, I, I kind of get it now. But then that day comes where you crash and burn so badly. We see this in Peter. And so it's a little bit encouraging, but it's also instructive for us. So this morning, I want us to to talk about two postures. There really are only two proper postures. There's only two options. There's only one proper one. But let's look at what we see in our text this morning and figure out which one is which. When we look at verse 21, let's read the verses. It says, from then on, so this is after Jesus has uh, gone and taught about his great confession that Peter makes. And this phrase, from then on, was used in Matthew 4.18, 4.19, 4.20, 4.21, 4.23, 4.24, 4.25, 4.26, 4.27, 4.28, 4.29, 4.30, 4.31, 4.32, 4.33
to mark the, the next major section. So that's, we talked about the structure last week, but this is, this is how we know that structure. This is a, a pillar that, that Matthew puts to say something has shifted. Now that Peter and the disciples, that Peter is probably speaking for the disciples, now that they are starting to get it, Jesus kicks it into a different gear. And then we see that in the language, right? From then on, now that they understand that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus begins to point out to his disciples, uh, they get who he is, but now Jesus starts to explain what he came to do. And those are connected. And it says he began to point out to his disciples to show them that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes to be killed and erased on the third day. So here we see Jesus' messianic mission. This is the mission that he has as the Messiah. His mission, he begins to say, is it's necessary. Jesus is setting the agenda. He is setting the timetable. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what needs to happen. I need to go to Jerusalem. I must go there. I must suffer. I must be killed. And I will be raised on the third day. So Jesus understands and he's communicating his messianic mission. Jesus is taking the lead. Jesus is the Messiah who has come to redeem sinners. And he's going to do that by going to Jerusalem, being arrested, crucified, buried, and being raised from the dead on the third day. That is the mission of the Messiah. And Jesus knows this. Peter, however, does not think that that should be the Messiah's mission. So you have Jesus' messianic mission But then you have Peter's messianic vision. He has his own way and his own vision of what the Messiah should do. Because look at verse 22. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, when it says that he began to rebuke him, that's strong language. In other words, he told Jesus, "Uh, no, you're wrong. So Peter gets it, but he doesn't really get it. And we didn't talk about this last week. We kind of ran out of time. But if you remember in verse 20, it says he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Here's exactly why. They still had some learning to do and some unlearning to do. They, they have not been filled with the Spirit of God. It is not, uh, Jesus has not died and rose again. So there, there's some things that still have to happen. But if we, if we wonder why he tells them, don't tell anyone I'm the Messiah, here we see immediately why, because Peter messes up almost from the beginning. But he begins to rebuke Jesus. Now, notice it takes him, it says Peter took him aside. So they're walking along, and Jesus is teaching these things, and, and Peter says, oh, geez, hang on, guys, just one second, one second. Jesus, come, come here, come here. Um, uh, Jesus, no. He says, oh, no, Lord. This will never happen to you, right? And, and the language that he uses here is, your Bible might have a note to it, uh, it something about, you know, mercy be to you. Like, like God, uh, God would never let this happen to his Messiah. This would never happen to you, Lord. May it never be. So Peter has his own vision, 
And and here we get a glimpse of what Peter thinks the the Messiah should be. The Messiah should be this coming, conquering warrior. He, He would not suffer something so unjust and so so lowly as to suffer and to die and to be killed. No, he's coming and he is going to lay waste to Israel's enemies. He's going to to be victorious in a a very physical, earthly kingdom type of mentality. So you have Jesus' messianic vision where he's leading, he sets the agenda. But then you have Peter who has his own vision and his own agenda. And in verse 23, Jesus turns and tells Peter. So just, just notice the, the description that, that Matthew's giving us here. They are walking. Jesus, Peter takes Jesus aside and he's like, look, you can't say that. You know, because the guys are going to, they're not going to follow you. If, if you no, that's not going to happen. And then Jesus squares up with him, right? Like, they're no longer turning aside together. Jesus squares up with him. But notice, notice the picture here. Where is Peter standing now? In front. It's probably not a good idea if you find yourself ahead of Jesus. In front of Jesus. He says to him, what? And isn't this, isn't this essentially what the enemy did? He says what? Get behind me, Satan. What did Satan do? He exalted himself, or at least tried to exalt himself, what? Above and in front of God. And here are Peter, Jesus facing him. Jesus says that Peter... Get behind me. You're trying to lead. You're trying to control. You're trying to guide and direct and set the agenda for the Messiah. Get behind me, Satan. Now, why does he call him Satan? Well, because he's doing, Peter's doing exactly what Satan does. And he's doing what Satan did in the temptation in the wilderness. If you go read the temptations of Jesus, what's the last temptation in Matthew's gospel? I will give you all of these kingdoms if you will just bow down and worship me. Satan offers Jesus a kingdom without a cross. Peter says, no, 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 you're going to achieve this kingdom. That There's not going to be any dying and rising. But what has Jesus said? It's necessary. It's necessary. So he calls him, get behind me, Satan. But then what does he say after that? He says, you are a hindrance to me. Literally, you are a stumbling block. You are a stumbling rock. Don't miss the fact that Matthew tells us just last week, you are Simon, the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And then this week, Jesus says, you're a stumbling rock. What happened? Peter assumed the wrong posture of a disciple. And how did he do that? Why did he do that? Jesus says, you are a hindrance to me. Why? Because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Literally, is your mind is not on God's things, the things of God, but on the things of man. 
So Peter assumes the improper posture. What is then the right posture of a disciple? The main idea that I want you to see this morning is that the proper posture of a disciple is one of following Christ. The proper posture of a disciple is one of following Christ. The position that a disciple ought to assume and be glad to have is one that is behind Jesus. One that lets Jesus set the agenda. One that lets Jesus operate in his time and in his pleasure. The life, the proper posture of a disciple is one where Christ is the leader. Christ is first. Now, Let's talk about what this means for us here this morning. When we're talking about the life of a disciple where Jesus is first, the proper posture, there's a couple distinctions we need to make. First of all, this is the, this is the posture of a disciple. You say, you've said that. What, what do you mean by that? This is not the posture of a lost person. What I want you to see is that this passage, and this is, this is more doing some prep work for next week. This passage and the next passage are not about salvation. They're about sanctification. They're about the expectations for a life of a disciple, the life of a believer. So when you read and when we talk next week about if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's not Jesus telling us how to be saved. Because think about it. If, if we are saved by how much we deny ourselves and how many times we take up our cross, number one, when is it ever enough? If I take up my cross today, what happens if I don't take it up tomorrow? If I don't deny myself today, what happens if I don't deny myself tomorrow? So understand that this passage and the next passage, verses 24 through 28, are about the expectations of a disciple, sanctification. But notice, the passage before this, that's about salvation. The salvation, the confession comes first. And so here's, here's what I'm trying to get at. We all, every single believer in this room has failed at some point this week to have the proper posture. Let's just be clear. We have all failed. But what did we just read about in Romans, right? Our hope is not a righteousness that we attain and that we maintain. Our hope is a full and complete righteousness that is freely given to us by faith in Christ. We confess, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. And when we believe, the Bible says it's credited to us as righteousness. So when you believed that Jesus is your Savior, when you trusted in Him, you were forgiven, you were cleansed, your unrighteousness was placed on Jesus, His righteousness was given to you. You are declared righteous in Jesus Christ. Now, in light of that, this is what the life of a disciple should look like. So first of all, first and foremost, if you're here this morning and you hear the proper posture of a disciple is one of following Christ and you think immediately, I am not a very good disciple. First of all, welcome to the club. <laughs> and number two, 
understand the right relationship between following Christ. Because here's the thing. If we're, we're letting Jesus be first, as a disciple, we remember, right? He went to the cross first. He went ahead of us. He opened the way for us. And so, yes, we all have failed to have the proper posture. But do not miss the comfort and the assurance that the gospel offers you this morning. You are seen as righteous as Jesus Christ by your faith in Him. Now, in light of that, resting in that, the proper posture is one of following Christ. Now you begin to say, this day, by God's grace, with, with everything that I, that I can summon by God's help, by the help of the Spirit, I want to put Christ first. Not in order to keep salvation, not in order to be saved, but because you've already been redeemed. It's so important that we get this distinction right. Okay? Because following Christ, if we, if we, if we make following Christ and putting Christ first a matter of Uh, if we make it a matter of this is, this is about salvation, then you'll never have assurance. If how much you keep Jesus first is the litmus test for your assurance, none of us have assurance. How do you lay your, how do you lay your head on your pillow at night Knowing that there was a, a time during that, that day when you did not have the proper posture of a disciple. If that is what your assurance is. You see? So the, the gospel, we have to have the right order. We are saved not by how much of a proper posture we maintain. We are saved by Christ. We're saved by our faith in Him now, in light of that, and in gratitude to God and to Christ for that, now we begin to maintain a proper posture of a disciple. Have you ever noticed a difference between... I was talking to someone about this. Uh, something that's beautiful, uh, like something that, that is pleasing... Something that brings joy. Are you forced to want to watch it? I mean, how many of you, your football team won yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Like, for some of you, you have teams that you're like 90% sure they're going to win regardless, right? It might get close, but, but, but the things that, that we enjoy and the things that, that we love and that are beautiful to us, we're not forced to watch we're not forced to follow we're not forced to and, and that's the point here so the proper posture of a disciple is one of following christ and that comes out of a gospel soil a gospel uh, growth uh, from 
from realizing that, that we've been reconciled by God and in gratitude seeking to put, by God's grace, Jesus first. Okay? So, how do we mess that up? Well, what does Peter do? What are some ways that Peter assumes the improper posture? Well, number one, he gets ahead of Jesus. He gets ahead of Jesus. I think a lot of times in the Christian life where we get in the most trouble is that we try to get God to do things on our own timing. We get ahead of Jesus. This should happen now. But have you ever wondered why the genealogies are in the Bible? I think something about the genealogies tells us that, that God's timing is not our timing. God works over generations. He works over centuries, over millennia. I mean, how many years was it from the promise of uh, the Exodus? Does anybody know? 430 years. So... Peter gets ahead of the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and there are some areas where now that you think about it, you're trying to lead God to do what you want him to do. And maybe you've been frustrated that God hasn't operated on your timetable or he hasn't done it as soon as you would like. Be very careful. Be very careful. Maybe the Lord is saying to you this morning, you need to get behind me. You need to get behind my timing. You need to get on my schedule. And understand, trust and rest. Believe me. Okay. So one of the things Peter does is he gets ahead of Jesus. But here's another way that he messes up. And here's another way that we mess up. We believe our plans are better than God's. Now, we might not come out and say that, but you know how you know that's what you believe? Is when things don't work out the way you want and you're frustrated. Like, God, I thought this was going to happen this way. Why, am I, why, did it, why did you do it that way? It would have been so much easier to do it this way. What's another way? Well, what does, what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, you are a hindrance to me. Why? Because you're thinking about God's concerns. Not, not about God's concerns, but about human concerns. One of the ways that we assume an improper posture as a disciple is we don't, as Paul says, set our mind on the things above. Sometimes we're so concerned with earthly concerns. Think about it. Sometimes we're so caught up in pursuing something that is an earthly concern that we neglect spiritual matters. We neglect God's concerns in pursuit of that human concern. And then either we get frustrated that we didn't get it. We get frustrated by how long it's taking. We get frustrated that it doesn't satisfy us. And so we think it must not have been the right thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's something like that, but, but maybe we can try again. Jesus says, Peter, you are not thinking about 
God's concerns. One of the ways that we mess up the posture of a disciple is we're not concerned about the things that God is concerned about. What is it in your life this morning that you're giving so much attention to that if you brought it before the Lord, He would say, that's not one of my concerns. Maybe, maybe you're really caught up in how much money you're making. Maybe you're thinking, if I could just make this much, or if I could just get this much more, God says, that's not really one of my concerns. That you have as much money as you possibly think you deserve or think you should have. So what is a disciple's proper position? The proper posture. It's one of following Christ. I think if we're honest, this tendency to get ahead of Christ, to make him, seek to get him to to baptize our plans, to get him to do what we would want him to do, I think this shows up in a lot more ways than we realize. You see, sometimes it's not so much about sometimes it's more about we have a wrong picture, a wrong understanding of, of who Jesus is and what he came to do. So there's, there's another part to this. Sometimes we take the improper posture of a disciple because we have the improper understanding of what the life of a disciple is to look like. What do I mean by that? Peter rebuked Jesus because he had an understanding of the kingdom that did not align with Jesus' understanding of the kingdom. What you see in Peter and what you see in Jesus are two different things. And if you want to write this down, this will be helpful if you want to do some research later. There's two theologies that are butting heads right here. You have the theology of glory... And the theology of the cross. Theology of glory. And the theology of the cross. It's probably pretty clear what the difference is. Peter is advocating for the theology of glory. Jesus, you're the Messiah. There's no way that the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, would come and suffer and die. No, he's coming in glory. He's coming to be victorious. He's coming to conquer all the enemies. Peter expected that if I start following you, everything's going to work out fine. It's going to be victory after victory after victory. Nobody will withstand us. There will be no no kind of suffering. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're going to suffer and be killed? No. No. But what is Jesus, what is he, he's he's talking about a theology of the cross. He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things to be killed and be raised on the third day. This and what we look at next week, Jesus is saying, what is the life of a disciple look like? It's not going to be in the sense of worldly victory. 
worldly prospering, worldly uh, accumulation and, and glory in this life. That's why Jesus says what he says after this. What kind of expectations should we have as a disciple? If you want to follow me, take up your cross, understanding that the world is going to hate you. There's going to be shame. There's going to be mocking. There's going to be persecution. One of the chief reasons we, the chief ways we assume the improper posture is we think we ought to be more prosperous more accepted, more loved, more well-treated than Jesus was when he walked the earth. But Jesus says, if I am treated this way, no student is above the teacher. If they've hated me, they will hate you. So the proper posture is one of, of a disciple is one of following Christ. But here's the thing. Christ went to a cross. Yes, it was God's plan, but understand when the, when the disciples here take up your cross in this context, and we're kind of getting into next week, but when they hear take up your cross, they're not hearing you know, like this is your cross to bear. Like, you, uh, you know, like, a, like a, oh, I have this thing that I struggle with. That's my cross to bear. He's not saying that uh, you, need to, you need to crucify yourself in a, in, a, in, a, in a simulation of what Jesus did. At that point in, in the gospel here, Jesus is saying, you know that instrument of, of shame? You know that instrument that's used for criminals? You know that instrument that nobody wants to look at and it's despised by us Jews? Yeah, that's the temperature you can expect. That's, that's the response you can expect. So the proper posture of a disciple is one of following Christ. And where does Christ lead us? He leads us. By a theology of the cross to a theology of glory. So what I want you to see this morning is that following Jesus is one where we assume the, the position of second chair. That we follow Jesus, but we also know fully well what Jesus is leading us to. He's going to a cross He's leading us there, but then he's taking our place. He's laying down his life for us. And he is opening up heaven unto us so that if we follow him where he is, there we may be also. So it's not really a theology of the cross or a theology of the of glory. It's just we have to have them in the right order. Jesus is the Messiah who came, laid down his life, was crucified, buried, and rose on the third day, and a disciple follows him all the way through. So how, how is God, how, where is God showing you that, that you've had an improper posture to following Jesus? Maybe you've thought 
you've gotten frustrated because you thought a, a theology of glory, that, that things were supposed to be going so well. Maybe you've gotten off of God's time. Maybe you've gotten off of God's agenda. Maybe you have put yourself or something else in the place of Christ. Right now is the time for you to confess that. It's time for you to, to confess it to the Lord and say, Lord, in this area, I've been putting myself first. I've been putting my children. I've been putting my spouse. I've been putting my work. I've been putting money. I've been putting pleasure in a place that really is only reserved in the life of a disciple for the Lord Jesus. Confess it. Turn from it. Knowing that Christ stands ready to receive and forgive. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. So, the issue here this morning for you, if you feel convicted, is to assume the proper, the proper posture of following Christ. Let him have first place in whatever that area is. But knowing that you are received because Jesus Christ paid it all. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you, you, you challenge us as disciples to, to have the, proper, the right order of our love, the right order of our affections, the right order of our life. And Jesus, you are to be first place. And and for many of us as disciples, we're, we're growing in that. God, we know there's areas where you're not first, and that we've assumed a posture of, of Peter, of trying to tell you what you can and cannot do, what you should and should not do, what should and should not happen. And yet, Lord, maybe we need to humble ourselves. Maybe we need to confess, God, those areas where we know that the Spirit of God is speaking us to right now, saying, this, this is that area. But Lord, we don't, we don't do it, we don't confess it for any other reason than knowing that, that the forgiveness the gospel offers to us is there and it's freely given to us who believe. Maybe someone's here this morning and they realize uh, that Jesus is not their savior. That they are, they've been trusting in, in just themselves entirely and they've never truly rested and trusted Christ as their savior. Lord, maybe, maybe today can be the day that they, they receive that forgiveness, that rest, and the promise of eternal life. Lord, as we pray, Spirit, move as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.